What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast, episode 16, recording here Thursday evening. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we are back to talk about the latest and greatest in TCU sports. TCU football going on the road this weekend for a big game against Kansas State. We will preview that matchup, tell you everything you need to know as the Horn Frogs get ready to take on the Wildcats Saturday night, 6 o'clock. In Manhattan, we have some recruiting news to talk about, TCU basketball and TCU baseball. I know we're still several months away from baseball season, but both programs picking up some big recruitments. And we'll also hit on the awesome volleyball match that took place at Shulmire Arena Wednesday night between TCU and Texas, the number six team in the country. A historic crowd at Shulmire to watch that one. We're getting to the end of high school football season here. I got a game I'm covering Friday night. It's getting uh, getting a little cold out here, a little rainy, hoping for better weather than what we had last weekend where I was out in the in the pouring rain getting drenched. But should be a fun weekend of, of football for me. Anthony, any fun plans for the weekend? Uh, only only one soccer game in youth soccer this weekend for us. One of uh, my kids is on by, so we're going to be able to take it easy. And it's one of those get to actually have a weekend a little bit. Not as much soccer, not as much TCU's playing later. So get get a little bit of a Saturday with the family. That's going to be really nice. This week has really flown by, man. I don't, I don't know. It's it's weird. Usually coming off of a, a vacation and stuff, it's like, oh, it's a really a drag of a week. But man, I don't know. This It's already here Thursday night. Man, it's, it's already nearly here, this Kansas State game. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, they say time flies when you're having fun, and it's been a really fun football season all around, and we have a lot to talk about this evening, so let's get right into it. But first, this episode, of course, is brought to y'all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go to charliehustle.com. Basketball season is right around the corner. We've got football going on. We've got soccer. We've got volleyball. Get your TCU swag, t-shirts, long sleeve, short sleeves, hoodies. Use the promo code FROGSOWAR, get 15% off all of your TCU items, or use the promo code 101215TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh, also just announced a partnership with the Big 12 Conference, so some big things coming there from Charlie Hustle, and we're really excited about uh, that partnership with the Big 12 and also our partnership with Charlie Hustle, continuing to work with them as they continue to put out some really cool stuff. So check it out at charliehustle.com, promo code Frogs of War or promo code TEN1215. The Patreon is live if you want to make a small donation, support the two of us here on Frogs Up or any of the other podcasts affiliated with the 1012 Network, go to patreon.com forward slash 1012 Network. All right, TCU Going on the road this weekend, big game against Kansas State. Kickoff will be Saturday, 6 p.m. TCU coming in 4-3, and 2-2 two and two in the conference. Kansas State 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the Big 12. These two teams, of course, met twice last year. Both games were fantastic. TCU rallying for a home win over the Wildcats during the regular season, rematching with Kansas State in the Big 12 championship a game where I was there at AT&T Stadium. It was a, a heartbreaker, but a great game to watch as TCU, of course, was stopped at the one-yard line in overtime, and Kansas State walks it off with the game-winning field goal. So TCU looking for a little bit of revenge this weekend, Saturday, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Kansas State 
coming off a big win last weekend over Texas Tech, 38 to 21, where Baron Morton, the second string quarterback for Texas Tech after the Tyler Shaw injury, he left that game with an injury and that resulted in the third string quarterback, Jake Strong, coming in. He threw three interceptions. Uh, Kansas State ran the ball very well in this game. Avery Johnson, the big-time four-star freshman, uh, he just ran for five touchdowns in this game on 90 rushing yards. And Trayshawn Ward had over 100 yards. DJ Giddens had a, a fairly decent game as well. So Kansas State coming in with a little bit of momentum after a pretty surprising loss against Oklahoma State and looking to get back on track with a second win in a row against TCU and the Frogs, of course, dominating BYU last weekend, 44-11 at home, the coming out party for Josh Hoover. He'll look to continue that this weekend. Anthony, what can you tell us about this Kansas State team, how the season has gone for them, and just the kind of contest that we should be expecting between these two teams this weekend? Yeah, I mean, Kansas State comes in already off of a little bit of a disappointing season. I think this game coming up this weekend was expected to likely be between undefeated teams battling at the top of the Big 12. And um, so it's a little bit of a downer that that's not the case as as both sides have struggled earlier in the season. Kansas State losing that game to Missouri with the walk-off field goal. And then, yeah, that the big surprise game to Oklahoma State as well. So, um, but that's two games on the road against two pretty solid, uh, if not excellent, opponents. And uh, clearly, the Wildcats play better in Manhattan. Uh, a, a pretty intense atmosphere there. Th- those fans will be crazy and loud, and um, it'll be a wild time. But the the Wildcats, you know, I think it's. The quarterback question we'll have to get into because it's a very curious thing here for them. Um, you know, how do they balance this situation where you've got the incumbent starter, Will Howard, has been pretty terrific for Kansas State in the past, leading them to that Big 12 championship. Um, he's been uh, an absolute killer of TCU. You know, he came into the game last year and took things over when when Adrian Martinez went down. Um, wins that game against TCU in the Big 12 championship, wins the game against TCU a couple years earlier where he came in uh, as an injury as the second uh, quarterback. So he, some, there's something about playing against TCU that he is more than ready to to go put on a show. But then Avery Johnson is just, he's clearly the future. He's clearly a supreme talent at the position. Um, you know, he's got the recruiting pedigree. Everybody in the country wanted him to come to their school. He stays home in Kansas, goes to Kansas State. Um, and, you know, as soon as Kansas State is ready to to turn the keys over to him, he's going to be uh, electric. And we saw that last week against Texas Tech. Um, you know, I guess Kansas State has gotten the the benefit of playing against backup quarterbacks. So, you know, according to all of Kansas State fans from last season, if you play against a backup quarterback, that means it doesn't count. Um, that's what they told us about every win that TCU had last season. Uh, so, you know, I, I heard that they must have intentionally taken out Baron Morton and made sure that he was some malicious intent. Uh, you know, I... I'm being I'm being facetious, tongue in cheek here, because you know I think that the uh, 
the online fan base of of Kansas State is can be a, a little bit at odds with the online fan base with TCU. There's somehow Kansas State has gaslit itself to believe that winning the Big 12 championship is a greater achievement than winning a college football playoff game. Um, and I suppose whatever you got to tell yourself to sleep at night. Um, but as it relates to this game, I think that um, both of these quarterbacks are going to get a lot of play. I think it it might be the case where pretty quickly the keys are turned over, but I don't think that Chris Kleiman is just going to throw Will Howard aside here. I think he's going to get some run. Um, and, but if he plays poorly, it's going to be a very, very short leash and, and Avery Johnson will certainly come in and, and be a big threat for, for TCU that, um, the TCU defense will have to find a way to handle. Um, you know, this team still has Phillip Brooks and Ben Sinnott at, at tight end guys who have been very productive and for a very long time and, and with a running game that certainly no Deuce Vaughn, but DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward are very capable backs and capable of taking advantage of, you know, if there's if there ends up being a hole in the TCU defense, they will be able to take advantage of it. So I think this offense and Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein know how to scheme things up to take care of TCU. Uh, we saw it quite a bit in both games last year. So I think it'll be a big challenge for the TCU defense to go to go handle this Kansas State offense. And it's the first time this season where TCU is really having to prepare for two different quarterbacks. I mean, you look at some of these recent matchups where you know it's going to be Keaton Slovis for BYU. You know it's going to be Donovan Smith for Houston. You know it's going to be Garrett Green for West Virginia, but going into this Kansas State game, you have to prepare for two very different quarterbacks. And it's also intriguing because Will Howard, as you mentioned, he's been uh, he's been a Heisman performer against TCU over these last couple of years. But then you have uh, Johnson coming in, who's running the ball into extremely well, super talented quarterback and. Will Howard has also kind of struggled a little bit over his last couple of games, and I think he's battling a little bit of an injury as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game unfolds and how much playing time these two quarterbacks get. Is it going to be a 50-50 split? Is it going to be a a 60-40 or a 70-30 one way or the other? I guess it's really going to depend on how the game goes. Uh, Maybe if, if Kansas State is able to get an early lead, then they stick with the run game and they give Avery Johnson some more run and try to pound the football. If they fall behind and they got to start throwing it over all over the field, maybe Will Howard gets a little bit more reps there. But you mentioned Ben Sinat and Phillip Brooks, veteran guys who have been around for a while. They've done some damage against TCU. And then you have DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward, the Florida State transfer, who are both averaging well over five yards a carry this year. So um, the Kansas State offense is going to be difficult to stop. But as you look at this Kansas State defense, we mentioned no Deuce Vaughn, no Adrian Martinez on the offensive side. Defensively, they lost Felix Anadike Uzama and Julius Brents, who were some of the better defensive players, not only in the Big 12, but in all of college football last year. Julius Brents was a second-round draft pick at cornerback 
Felix on a DK Uzama was a, I believe a, a second or third round draft pick to Kansas city was a, I think a he was a first break. round draft pick, a game breaker. He was for Kansas yeah. state against T. How many sacks did he have against TCU last yeah, year? But, I think it might've been. Yeah. And, four and two or five years. Or something crazy. Yeah. I think it was two years ago. He had the game where he, <clears throat> excuse me, where he like almost broke the record for sacks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> let, let, drink some drink some water. Let me. I'll, I'll take care of this here a little bit. But um, defensively, Kansas State is a team that has struggled a little bit in defending the pass. Uh, Miles Perry, one of our staff writers, pointed out in our roundtable that is online at frogsofwar.com that Kansas State defensively ranks worse than a hundredth. I think about one fifteen in the country in pass defense. So they've given up some points and you look at their results over the last few weeks, given up 29 points to Oklahoma state, uh, given up 30 points, I believe to Missouri. They're, they're prone to giving up some points on the defensive side more so than the last couple of years. So I think for TCU, you have an opportunity and, and for Josh Hoover specifically, there's an opportunity in this game to really build on what you did last weekend, the way Josh Hoover was able to, read the defense and work up in the pocket, making great throws, making good decisions, showing a lot of poise and growing into a leader before our eyes. He's going to have an opportunity now to take advantage of a Kansas State defense that has struggled a bit against the past this year. So, Anthony, when you look at this defense, what stands out to you? And I guess what what's the going to be the key for this offense to to get it going against Kansas State this weekend? And yeah, I'm still trying to shake this cough, so sorry if I have to uh, go on mute a couple times here uh, and, and step off for the cough button. But yeah, I think it is curious how this defense is so bad against the pass statistically, uh, both you know just in the raw stats and in the advanced stats. Um, pretty much across the board their their passing analytics are really bad um which it, it kind of doesn't make sense because yeah they are among you know the top 20 in all the rushing stats so they're they're defensively shutting down run games but teams have found a way to move the ball against them uh through the air and yes they no longer have King Felix or Julius Brents, who were extremely, they were elite players, uh, top of the Big 12, top of the country. And, but they've, you know, I think they've been able to fill those roles. Khalid Duke is leading the Big 12 in sacks right now um, uh, on this defense. And then um, Kobe, excuse me, Kobe Savage is uh the the corner out there that's really doing a great job filling in that role. So, you know, I I think they've reloaded a bit. I, you know, I think we thought this about TCU, like, hey, they've lost these guys, but here are these great players who are filling in. Uh maybe it's just looking at it from afar, but those two guys have seemed to step into those roles in uh in a really strong way. And I think that that defense is still a big challenge. What <clears throat> what I'll say, I guess, is it's also another week of tape, and Josh Hoover's not going to surprise anybody. So 
now Josh Hoover has, he's announced himself to the world in that BYU game. And in no way will Kansas State be underrating his ability to distribute the ball and make things happen through the air. So, you know, I think that little bit of element of surprise that worked in his advantage against BYU will not be there. They'll be able to game plan for him and for uh, this passing attack. And and so it will be, can the scheme that, that Coach Bryles can work up and can Josh Hoover make it happen? But really, uh, you know, as I, I put it in our roundtable, I think it's about giving Josh Hoover time. Uh, this this offensive line and and Amani Bailey and the pass protection last week was terrific. And if if they can keep Hoover clean again like that against a, a much more stout defensive front um, and and keep Duke away from Hoover, then I, yeah, I I think Hoover has every opportunity to go out there and show it again. Yeah, I think. You look back at the game against BYU, I'm not sure if Josh Hoover was sacked in that game. And Amani Bailey, for how well he's run the ball this season, he only had 13 carries, I think, in that BYU game. But he was doing a great job of picking up some of those blitzers that were coming through the middle. And he was playing selfless football in that game. And that allowed Josh Hoover to be able to work up in the pocket, have that extra time to make those throws. And I could see this game playing out similarly in that maybe Amani Bailey doesn't get the 20 to 25 carries that he's had earlier this year. Maybe it's another 10 to 15 carry game, maybe one or two targets in the pass game, but we're probably going to see him uh, pass protecting a little bit more just to, to give Josh Hoover that time. It's going to be super important for this offensive line to protect Hoover playing on the road. First road start for Hoover getting him rattled early in the game could cause some trouble for TCU. So if the frogs are able to keep that pocket clean and allow Josh Hoover to read the defense and make the kinds of throws that he was making last week against a, a struggling pass defense, I think TCU is going to have an opportunity to put up a lot of yards and hopefully a lot of points. We know that the red zone issues have been an issue all season. I think we, we know that's just, how TCU's offense is going to roll this year. There are going to be a couple of mistakes in the red zone, but the priority is going to be protecting Josh Hoover and preventing the Kansas State defense from getting him rattled, especially early on. And then for the TCU defense, last week I talked about the matchup between Keaton Slovis and the secondary, and I spoke about how the secondary needed to make some big game-changing plays, and that's exactly what we got at the beginning of the first quarter when uh, Shad Banks comes on the delayed blitz. He forces the bad throw from Slovis. It gets uh, picked off by Bradford for a touchdown. I I don't think the secondary is going to have to do as much in this game. I think they're still going to have to play well, but the key for me when I look at this TCU defense in this particular matchup is the guys up front, specifically the linebackers, are going to have a big task in slowing down this Kansas State run game. Um, TCU has done a fairly good job at stopping the run this year. I think at times some opponents have gotten away from them a little bit, but what worries me the most is should Kansas State give Avery Johnson some extended run, 
TCU hasn't really faced many dual threat quarterbacks this year. I think Garrett Green is probably the closest that TCU has seen in a dual threat this year. And although Garrett Green completed fewer than 50% of his passes, he did have that big run play where he broke contain. Nobody set the edge for the TCU defense and he ran for about a 30 to 35 yard touchdown. So um, Avery Johnson is just as good, if not significantly better than, than Garrett Green. And the, the ultimate goal for this TCU defense, I mean, this is going to be arguably the best run offense that TCU will face all year. And so that that's really my key to victory for this, this defense is can these linebackers fill those gaps and make clean tackles near the line of scrimmage against this Kansas State rushing offense? If they can do that, I think TCU will have a really good chance to win if they struggle and they're missing tackles and they're not setting the edge. It's going to be a very difficult game for TCU. Yeah, and and you mentioned the interception for a touchdown that opened the game last week against BYU and and the blitz that got home or at least gave enough pressure to hassle Slovis into that throw. And I think that's a, a going to be really important is Joe Gillespie likes to send those delayed blitzes, likes to send pressure from different places from the linebacker position. And can those players make their way to the quarterback? Can they either get sacks or force, you know, poor decisions or poor throws from whether it's Howard or Johnson? Um, But also, making sure that uh, particularly with Johnson, if he gets that, the space that Garrett Green had on that touchdown run, I mean, yeah, Avery Johnson will be able to run, you know, for days looking like that. You, you, you're not going to be able to um, just send a guy and leave all of that open real estate out there because Johnson will definitely make you pay. And we've, we've, I mean, we've seen Will Howard do that to TCU as well. He's he's perfectly just as capable of of outrunning TCU linebackers. We've seen it, so uh, I think I think you hit it there. Where um, yeah, the secondary will have to hold, but those linebackers have a big big task ahead of them in uh, whether it's spying Johnson, blitzing Johnson, or just containing the run game as a whole. Um, It it sets up for you know I think these guys are up to the task. We've seen. Namdi Obiazor improve every week uh, this season, moving down from safety into the linebacker position. So I, I, I think he's definitely ready for it. And and Shad Banks and Jamoy Hodge have been as well and have shown that that they're right there. But, you know, I, I think there will be lapses in that where if one of these Kansas State players gets loose, and it breaks the game wide open, can TCU then go keep up uh, the rest of the way? I think I think it'll be a very interesting battle. I mean, the, these teams are very evenly matched. Um, I think the home environment will definitely have uh, a say in this game, the night home environment there for, for the Kansas State Wildcats. So, um, I don't know. It's just going to be a really exciting game. And, and you know, if I were a neutral observer, I think it would just be a, a terrific game to watch. I'm nervous, obviously, as a TCU fan. I think that um, 
it's going to be a big, big challenge for the Frogs to go up there and, and catch a win. But I think it should be a great game with uh, a lot of heavy emotion on the field and, uh, you know, big implications for these teams going forward as well. And TCU, unfortunately, has not fared very well in night games this year. They are one and two over three night games with a, a win against Nickel State week two, but then losing to West Virginia and then losing at Iowa State in, in night games. So hopefully TCU will have some better Was fortune. that Houston game at night? Come on. Houston was at night, wasn't it? You are. Yeah, you are right. Okay, let's give I'm a little credit. TCU. I'm not TCU. I'm not used to TCU playing this many night games. It's It's been a while that. The, the 2022 season, yeah. we have to to thank for that. So two and two in, in night games, but oh, and two over the last two night games. So yeah. yeah, hopefully some better fortune for TCU this weekend. And as we get into our predictions here, and if y'all haven't had the chance to check out our full roundtable with the Frogs of War staff, go to frogsofwar.com, give that a read. Um, our staff, Miles Perry, Drew Carlton, Austin McGee, and everybody involved do a tremendous job. Predictions here, I'm keeping mine fairly conservative again. Um, of course, I'm picking TCU to win the game. My prediction is 28-24. TCU comes out on top and goes into the bye week on a two-game win streak. The Frogs are able to get some much-needed rest, and it's going to be a great game, and I think TCU is going to come out with a narrow victory. Yeah, you know, another thing that I find curious going into this game is how incredibly confident the Kansas State fans and media have been going into this one. Um, you know, I, I spending some time listening to a few podcasts, reading a lot of the news coverage, it seems like Kansas State is already looking ahead two weeks from now to the Texas game, and then maybe several weeks forward to the uh to Arlington. Everything is about, oh, how do we get to the, how do we go and beat, uh, how do we go beat Texas and then go win the Big 12 tar- or Big Twelve championship again? Um, they're chalking this one up as a win, as a guaranteed win. And, you know, I think Kansas State is rightly favored in this game. Uh, but I think that the Horn Frogs will make it so it is not such a guaranteed win. Um I am sticking with my uh, what I always pick for TCU versus Kansas State, and that's TCU to win 31 to 30. I picked that for both games last year. Um, I, I just think this one is so evenly matched. It could be a complete coin flip. The the 31 30 could just as easily go the other way um, and Kansas State take the win. But of course, my prediction is TCU wins 31 to 30 and at least makes this uh pretty scary for those guys up there. I think that that confidence and and maybe that plays into uh Kansas State is maybe the players and the coaches are looking past TCU. They they feel like they've bought into, oh yes, we won the Big 12 championship and that's the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of college football and we don't need to care about this game against TCU this year because they're not very good. And they're already looking past TCU, past Houston, on to the game against the Longhorns. So maybe you catch them sleeping a little bit there. But uh, yeah, of course, Horn Frogs win 31 to 30. And if y'all haven't checked out our preview content, we have a full slate of preview content posted to our website, frogsaward.com. Be sure to give that a read as you prepare for 
this game again Saturday evening, six o'clock, going to be televised on ESPN two. TCU Kansas State should be a good one, and this game is of course one of many that will be played on Saturday in the Big Twelve Conference. A pretty full slate of games. Only two teams in the conference, Iowa State and Kansas, have buys. And looking at the schedule here, we have a pair of morning games. UCF going to Oklahoma. That'll be at 11 a.m. on ABC. And then Baylor at Cincinnati getting the dreaded ESPN Plus tag for 11 a.m. kickoff, a game that nobody wants to watch outside of uh, Waco or Cincinnati. But then you have some exciting midweek and night or uh, mid midday and night games, starting with Oklahoma State traveling to Morgantown, taking on West Virginia at 2.30 on ESPN. Texas is going to go to Houston for a 3 p.m. kickoff on Fox. Texas Tech to BYU, 6 p.m. kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Trap game potential in Houston? Uh, I don't know if I kind of want to go that far, but I, I think Texas will probably win there pretty handily. Oklahoma State and West Virginia is a interesting matchup. For me, the last two weeks, Oklahoma State has been a home underdog and they've won when it looked like their season was kind of dead in the water. But Alan Bowman has been playing some pretty good ball and he looks like QB1 for the Cowboys moving forward. And West Virginia, of course, we jokingly put all of our eggs in that basket as the Mountaineers after um, beating TCU were the the lone unbeaten in the conference to challenge Texas or Oklahoma for one of those top spots. And then they lose on a, on a hail Mary to Houston. So that, that run is over with and uh, UCF, Oklahoma. I mean, I think Oklahoma wins there pretty handily. Cincinnati is it. They got to be the most desperate team for a conference win. And this, this might be the last really good chance Cincinnati has for a conference win this year, getting Baylor at home. Um, I think BYU wins against Texas Tech. Anthony, what are your thoughts on these Big Twelve games? Any, any uh, interesting takes here? Any thoughts on on this slate of games? Yeah, I mean the uh, the Dylan Gabriel match against his former team UCF could have been interesting. I think UCF is just uh, not nearly up to the task in that one. I don't think I don't think it'll be very close. It's probably seventeen to. 24 point victory for the Sooners. Um yeah, Cincy and Baylor, man, I was really disappointed with Cincinnati in that that Iowa State game. Uh Baylor has also been terrible, so yeah, that's it gets relegated to ESPN Plus and yeah, who knows who's going to win that one and it kind of <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter, but both really really need that win. So you know, I tend to think that uh, Dave Aranda is, is a good coach and that he will figure out a way to to take something from Cincy there. Yeah, kind of the big game on the slate is actually the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game, I think. Um, the way Oklahoma State's been playing, I mean, taking down the two Kansas teams is is a big achievement. I mean, those are, those are two teams that are were certainly favored to win those games and um, were expected to compete in this conference and for Oklahoma State to earn those wins that's big but going on the road to to Morgantown is a really tough task both of those wins for Oklahoma State were in Stillwater uh so I'm not sure if the magic continues for them out in West Virginia 
yeah, the Texas-Houston trap game, I don't think so. I think Texas, <laughs> particularly coming off the bye and the loss in Red River. So, you know, I think having two full weeks to have to kind of dwell on that loss, Texas is going to be ready to come out and just uh, blast the Cougars. And it's probably, I mean, the game is in TDECU in Houston, but it's going to be mostly burn orange in there. You have to expect um, I've seen that they've sold out several rounds of like standing room only tickets. Uh, you know, I, I hope that Houston students are able to go and that Houston fans, however many those uh, there are, are able to go. Uh, but I imagine that that is a very Longhorn friendly crowd uh, out there in Houston and and that Texas finds a way to go get it. Um Texas Tech BYU is is pretty interesting too. I don't know if Texas Tech has gotten their quarterback situation figured out or if they're going to have to play that the third string guy who struggled so so terribly against Kansas State, but um and and BYU all of their starters struggled so terribly against TCU. So mm-hmm. I think going to Provo though again is a that's another really tough place to play and it, that's a tough environment. So I think I think that is kind of a toss-up game. Should be a really fun game. I think very uh, different personalities between those two fan bases. So I think it should make for, if anything, some fun banter on social media. And if y'all are interested in learning anything more about what's been going on in Big 12 football, we do have our Big 12 weekly recaps that go on our website, frogsaware.com. So be sure to check those out recapping all of the weekly action in the Big 12. All right, I think that will wrap it up for our football talk this evening. Of course, we will be back recording in a few days to recap the Kansas State game, but we do have some more TCU sports items to hit on this evening. We'll start with TCU men's basketball. The Horn Frogs are only a couple weeks away from tipping off the 23-24 season. But the recruiting class for 2024 is looking pretty hot. I know we've talked about um, the three-star combo guard, Ashton Simmons, who committed fairly recently. But TCU added another player to this class, four-star center Malik Diallo. He's 6'10", committed to TCU over several Power 5 programs and With his commitment, TCU now has a top 15 rated recruiting class in the country and third in the Big 12 behind only Kansas and Arizona. So TCU is making some serious noise on the recruiting trail. And we might have another commitment coming here pretty soon because another four-star prospect, David Punch, a 6'7 forward, is set to announce on Saturday and he has received four predictions for TCU. So an already loaded class that includes Malik Diallo, four-star center, uh, Micah Robinson, four-star forward, and Ashton Simmons, three-star guard, has a chance to get even greater this weekend. Uh, Anthony, any thoughts about just the recruiting class and the way it's stacking up for for 2024 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, Jamie Dixon is just on fire on the recruiting trail. I mean, these are these are big time recruiting wins and it's it's good to see Dixon building some of his future roster out of the high school recruiting obviously nowadays with the transfer portal there's a lot of quick ways to bring in roster depth but getting major talent out of the high school level is how you how you really 
build a program to sustained success. So really glad to see that. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording here that this TCU basketball team is very old this season. Um, losing, you know, you've got seventh year guy, uh, Chuck O'Bannon, you know, Emmanuel Miller. A lot of this roster is going to be out of eligibility at the end of this basketball season. So a lot of the transfers that Jamie Dixon brought in have a lot of college experience, which will be fantastic for this season. Uh, but it means that the that cupboard will have to be restocked going forward. So great to see him bringing in these guys. And it just, you know, speaks to, yeah, I mean, sitting third in the conference, in this conference, behind only those two super blue bloods is uh you know it's it's quite it's quite a, a thing to see for TCU basketball i mean uh, where a decade ago was you know mm-hmm. unable to win a conference game uh, you know barely uh, a little bit longer than that barely able to to be out of the very basement of the mountain west conference to now sit where it is here i mean um Jamie Dixon has done incredible things for his alma mater uh, here as head coach. So looking forward to this TCU basketball season, certainly, and uh, looking forward to its future. And with both men's and women's basketball around the corner, the Big 12 has released its preseason all Big 12 teams. And a couple shout outs here to Emmanuel Miller back for another run in Fort Worth. He was named to the preseason all Big 12 team. And then for the women, Sedona Prince, the transfer from Oregon, was named a honorable mention to the preseason All-Big 12 team. So congratulations to those two players. And the the TC women's program, we're going to be talking about them a little bit too because expectations are growing for that program under Mark Campbell, who takes over as first-year head coach of the Frogs. Sedona Prince, Madison Connor coming over from Arizona. A lot of talented transfers coming into the women's program here as that TCU team looks to get back on track here. So that'll do it for our, our basketball items here. And we have one more baseball recruitment news bit here to share. And yes, we are several months away from baseball still, but some news hit the social media waves recently with uh, Noah Franco, who is a big, big time high school player reclassified from 2025 to 2024 and just recently announced his commitment to TCU. And this is a elite, elite high school player. He's talked about as a five tool player. He's a two way player. He can play first base and pitch. He's rated as a perfect 10 on the perfect game website. And it's, it's, it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to step foot on campus because he's a potential first round draft pick in the 2024 MLB first year player draft. But if TCU is going to give him the opportunity to play both ways, then the odds of him coming to TCU, I think are a little bit greater, but um, Anthony, what can you say about this commitment and just the, the growing hype for TCU baseball for next season and beyond with all the transfers that they've gained and the, the recruiting news here. Yeah, it's it's not just Jamie Dixon out there hitting hitting big shots with in recruiting. Kirk Sarlus is making it happen for baseball as well. I mean the the transfer class and the twenty twenty four class and the twenty twenty five class that's already um, been committed to TCU baseball. A lot of high high talent, and 
but this is this is another level. I mean, this guy is a a, a top five high school prospect, uh, probably top forty uh, MLB prospect for the twenty twenty four draft, and um, you know, depending on, <clears throat> on how things shake out, could very well be a first round draft pick, second round draft pick. So, uh, you know, if he's really committed to playing college baseball and you know, I think there's every reason to believe that playing, especially nowadays, because college baseball continues to grow in popularity. You see, uh, the College World Series is a is a major major event, and you know, if if you're able to come in and be a superstar in college baseball, you can boost your stock significantly. And you know, some of these guys, you you look at a lot of the the top of the MLB draft. Uh, this past season, and these guys who became superstars at the College World Series at the college level really found their way to the very, very top of the draft. And and yes, the the money between whatever NIL you might get at TCU and a second round draft pick that there's a huge gap there, but there's a pretty huge gap between like second, third round draft pick and first round draft pick and like top. 10 overall selection. So, you know, I think that there is value to these guys to come and play college baseball. It'll obviously be a big, big decision for him and his family. Um, but to, to have this commitment in place, it, it just says a lot about the continued success and the continued path forward for TCU baseball. And I guess one last thought from me before we transition to our last TCU item here is I think with, the the rise of Shohei Otani and his popularity and how big of a star he is in Major League Baseball and some of the two-way stars that have emerged at the college level over the last year or so. And with TCU going out and getting Peyton Toll, the big transfer from Wichita State, who's a two-way player, he's going to be a slugger for TCU next season. He's going to pitch. Maybe that's the the way to get some of these elite high school players to stick around and play some college ball is you want to play both ways. You want to pitch and play the field. You want to pitch and hit. You can do that collegiately and do that at a high level for a few years. And, you know, once you get to the MLB level, it's, it's still incredibly rare to have two way players in, in major league baseball. I mean, Shohei Otani is really the only one, but I feel like in college baseball, we're seeing a lot more two way players that are getting it done on the mound and at the plate. So maybe that'll be a way to get some of these high school players, these elite prospects to stick around and play a little bit more college ball if they're able to play both ways here. So exciting news for TCU baseball as Kirk Sarlos and his staff continue to bolster their roster for next year and beyond. As we get into our final TCU news item here, for those who are not following live or even watching on TV. This was on ESPN two, I believe Wednesday night, TCU volleyball hosting Texas, the number six team in the country, setting a attendance record at Shawmire arena, over 7,400 fans showed up to watch this match. And this was a banger of a volleyball match. It was, the crowd was loud. The fans were fantastic. And TCU took a very, very good Texas team that came in without a conference loss, a team that has not gone five sets all season. 
TCU took this team to the very edge. TCU at one point had a 2-1 set lead, dominated the first set, 25-14, to lost the second set by a couple points, took the third set, 25-21, nearly had Texas on the ropes, leading 21-19 in the fourth set, but the Longhorns were able to rally there with a, I believe, a 6-2 run at the very end of the fourth set to win and force a fifth set tiebreaker. TCU got within one point, 14 to 13, forced Texas to burn two timeouts, but a service error ultimately ended that match and Texas was able to win three to two with the fifth set win, 15 to 13. But this was a unbelievable volleyball match. TCU came out without its starting setter, Riley Buckley, and played phenomenal volleyball against the number six team in the country. Lily Nicholson, the freshman setter, first career start. How about 56 assists (laughs) with 13 digs, a double-double for her. And 56 assists, I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time TCU had a a setter go over 50. Um, And for Riley Buckley, I know she had, I think, 52 in a match at Missouri last year before she transferred in this year. That's just incredible stuff for a freshman to come in with, with this kind of environment, this kind of match, and put up 56 assists. That's incredible stuff there. Audrey Nalls, also all Big 12 preseason player. She's starting to look like Audrey Nalls. 24 kills in this match, a season high for her. 14 digs for the double-double, hit 541, which was by far the best for any TCU player in this match. Melanie Parra, the former Texas player, Playing against her old team, she had 20 kills in this match. Jalen Gibson had a double-double with 15 and 11. A great match and a lot of great individual performances for TCU. Just a couple of unforced errors were the difference. I think when I looked at the final stats, Texas had in total eight service errors and TCU had 16. So that's eight free points you're giving the other team and when you lose uh, three sets by a combined seven points. That's just the way the cookie crumbles there. But th- this was a fantastic match, and TCU is going to be right back at Schollmeyer Arena on Sunday for another ranked match. Kansas is coming in, who last week I believe was ranked number 16 in the country. So this is going to be another big-time match, and I expect the fans at Schollmeyer to show up once again for this TCU team that's now 12 and 8 on the season and 5 and 4 in the Big 12 looking to get a a big feather in the cap as they try to build a NCAA tournament resume here as we're kind of halfway through the conference schedule. I know I'm kind of our resident volleyball fan here Anthony but any thoughts you can add here about just this match or the the way that this volleyball team has been playing recently. Yeah, I got to watch some of this and and it's really I mean, it's kind of a devastating way to lose the match on the on the service error at the end and and TCU. But, uh, you know, you take the reigning national champions, this, you know, super uh, productive, big history, big program to to this level uh, and, and have them right on the brink. Uh, it's it's a but I think most of this, it just says how growing this sport is at TCU uh mm. to get that number of fans into the into Schollmeyer for for a volleyball match and to you know I, I think that this says a lot about things to come uh 
going forward for TCU volleyball, but also for TCU basketball, TCU women's basketball, that they're, you know, this campus, the students on the campus, the community is ready to support pretty much everything that TCU does. And, uh, you know, they, they absolutely put on a show for those fans. And so to, to have that experience, um, I think it's just terrific for, for the university and for the athletic department. I think it's, it portends for big things ahead. You know, it's, it's unfortunate to lose this match. And, you know, I guess I, I pay a lot of attention to like the bubble watch for men's basketball, but, uh, how, how is, how's it looking for TCU volleyball, you know, made the tournament last year, got a win in the tournament last year. It it feels like they've been playing at a very, very high level, but the wins have just not accumulated. So I'm a little bit worried about their tournament resume. Yeah. I think when you go back to non-conference play, I think there were a couple there that TCU would definitely like to have back. I think not having Audrey Nalls healthy at the start of the season was a difficult blow. And there were a couple of matches there at the start of the season that TCU, I think would win handily if they were at full strength, but you're right. As we get into the, you know, we're about halfway through the big 12 schedule here and TCU is going to have to start uh, picking up some notable wins. I think it could definitely start with a win over Kansas on Sunday, but if it's not Kansas, we're going to have to start getting some momentum here down the stretch over the second half of the season. There's still a lot of matches to play. Uh, the conference schedule for volleyball is a lot lengthier than it is for soccer. I mean, soccer, we've talked about how the, the season is they have one more match with, yeah. with only one more regular season match. And then the tournament, there are still a lot of volleyball matches left to play. So TCU is still with plenty of opportunities down the stretch here. They still have to play Baylor. Uh, they still have to play Texas tech. So, there will be some opportunities for for wins down the stretch here, but I think as a whole, Jason Williams and his staff have done a tremendous job of getting this volleyball program back to a state where it's very competitive in a very good conference. I mean, coming in in his first year, bringing TCU back to the NCAA tournament, returning a lot of key players from that roster last year and blending that in with a lot of new talent. Riley Buckley comes in from Missouri. Uh, Brianna Green, the starting middle, comes in from uh, from Denver. Melanie Parra comes in from Texas. So you have a lot of talent on this team. And I think the, the biggest key is really just going to be staying healthy. Um, I think the, the match against West Virginia that they just lost recently, Melanie Parra didn't play there. Um, nearly losing to Oklahoma on the road where I don't think Para played the final two sets. So health is going to be a, a big factor for this team, but um, I'm confident that TCU will be able to pick up the necessary wins down the stretch here to make that tournament run. And I think with that note, we'll go ahead and sign off for the evening. I think we're getting pretty close to the one hour mark, but whether it's football, volleyball, soccer, basketball, baseball, we have everything y'all need to know about TCU sports at frogsaward.com and here on the frogs up tc sports podcast we appreciate all the support thanks for listening in this evening we'll be back in a couple days with our next weekend episode where we will recap the kansas state football game and bring the latest and greatest in tc sports back to the podcast i am russ hodges that is anthony north 
continue to support us here on Frogs Up and continue to read our content online at frogsaward.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter at Frogs of War. That'll do it for tonight. We will go ahead and sign off with a Frogs Up. Frogs Up.